Would you like to know the inside scoop about what it really takes to win your Social Security disability claim? Well, you've come to the right place. I'm Jonathan Ginsberg, your host at this SSD Answers podcast, which is dedicated to helping honest, hardworking folks discover how to navigate Social Security's confusing and frustrating disability program. In each episode, we'll discuss proven tactics and strategies that work and will result in favorable decisions. Social Security makes it difficult to recover your disability benefits no matter what your medical issue. I want to put the odds back in your favor. Hi there, this is Jonathan Ginsberg, and today I'd like to talk about the difference between SSDI and SSI. Um, and this is something that a lot of people don't really understand fully. I want to try to clarify it as much as I can. SSDI and SSI are both disability programs administered by Social Security. Uh, they are different, and different. They also they are very different from retirement Social Security. In retirement Social Security, your benefit, what you get, what you're paid, is based on your age. You don't have to prove anything; just that you're you've hit a certain age, whether it's 62 or 65 or 70 or whatever, and your lifetime earnings. Um, disability programs, by contrast, are a lot more restrictive. So they're not dependent on lifetime earnings. They're, it's, again, much more restrictive. Now, some people call the disability programs SSI, and that's not accurate. SSI is one of the two programs, and actually, in my view, it's the least desirable. As a, as a rule, you're better off qualifying for, qualifying for SSDI as opposed to SSI. So again, we have two disability programs. One is called Title II SSDI, and Title II is because of the law. It's Title II of the law. The second type is called Title XVI SSI. So again, let's look at the difference. Title II disability, or SSDI, is an insurance program. And like all insurance programs, you have to pay premiums. But instead of writing a check, the premiums are your payroll tax contributions. In order to qualify for SSDI, you've got enough, you have to have enough credits from those payroll contributions. Now, what is a credit? A credit is based on earnings. So uh, let's look at 2018. You earn one credit for every $1,320 in gross earnings. Two credits would be $2,640 of gross earnings. Three credits, $3,960, and four credits, $5,280. The most you can earn in any one calendar year is four credits. So once you earn gross wages, and again, this is pre-tax, before tax, the gross wages of $5,280 or more, you've got your four credits. So it's important also not to confuse the credits with the amount of your payments. If you earn $5,500, you'll have all four credits, but your monthly benefit's going to be a lot less than if you earn $55,000. So uh, don't distinguish or don't confuse the amount of your benefit with credits. To get your four credits, you've got to have in, in 2018, $5,280. For 2017, it's less. For 2016, it's even less. It goes up every year. Uh, and once you've got your four credits, you are fully insured uh, for that particular year. Um, in order to qualify for SSDI, you have to have 10 credits within the 20 quarters uh, ending the year before you become disabled. So 20 quarters 
is equal to 10 years uh, since there are four quarters in a year. I'm sorry, 20 quarters is equal to five years. I misspoke. 20 quarters is equal to five years. 40 quarters is equal to 10 years because there are four quarters in a year. So the way to look at this would be that you have to have earned approximately $5,000 a year for five out of the last 10 years. In that case, you'll be fully insured. And it kind of makes sense. If you've got to have 20 quarter hours out of 40 and you've worked five out of 10 years, then that means when you stop working, your insurance cover you will cover you for about five years after you stop working. That's why I tell people, if you stop working full-time and you go to very, very part-time, uh, you could run out of credits because you may not earn enough to get all four credits in the year, and eventually you're going to run out of credits. So you've got to have worked for approximately five out of the ten years prior to the year you become disabled. Now, if you're younger, if you're in your 20s or, or early 30s, the five out of ten rule doesn't exactly apply. It's similar, but essentially it's going to be a little bit less. But bottom line is most people who are applying for disability are in their late 40s, early 50s, and the five out of ten rule applies. So again, uh, look at the last 10 years. Have you worked full-time for five out, of those, five out of those last 10 years, in which case you'd be insured for SSDI? Now, SSA, Social Security, calls this uh, date uh, when your insurance runs out, your date last insured, or DLI. And from my perspective as a, a Social Security attorney, I need to know your DLI, your date last insured, because I have to prove that your disability began prior to your date last insured. Again, it's like an insurance policy. If you're uh, if you you became disabled prior to the date your insurance runs out, you're covered. But if you become disabled after your insurance runs out, you're not covered. So uh, let's take, for example, if you applied for benefits in March of 2018 and you allege that your disability began in November of 2017 and your date last insured is May of 2021, May 31, 2021, you're good. Uh, even if your hearing is in 2022 or 2023, as long as that the judge finds that your disability began prior to your date last insured, you are golden. However, if you apply in March of 2018 and you allege an onset date, your, your alleged onset date of June, 2000, June 15, 2016, but your date last insured um, ran or runs uh, in 2015, um, then you are out of luck because your onset date, the date you became disabled, is after your date last insured. Um, so you've got to really know your date last insured. And a lot of times if you call Social Security, they'll tell you that's one of the things that I can get when I have online access to uh, your earning, your, your, your exhibit file, what your date last insured is. And usually, um, most of the time, people have stopped working and they may try to work part-time and so their date last insured maybe a year or two uh, from the time they apply. That's, that's great. But every once in a while, I'll have somebody with what we call remote date last insured, meaning that their insurance ran out uh, 10 years ago, and I've got to go back in time and prove that they became disabled 10 years ago. And that's very difficult because, A, it's hard to get medical records going back that far. A lot of times hospitals and doctors purge their records or the practices are sold. And secondly, you've got to be able to convince a judge 
that your level of impairment was at a disabling level 10 years ago. So a lot happens in 10 years. Did you try to go back to work? Did you volunteer? What were you doing? And why did you wait so long to apply? So I think that uh, it's difficult to go back 10 years or 15 years for, for your date last insured or for your onset date uh, to, to meet a date last insured. Now, sometimes people will say to me, uh, you know, I worked for 20, 25 years, but I stopped working in 1995. Now, we're, this is 2018. I'm recording this. So uh, don't I get any credit for all those years, that 20, 25 years of work? Well, unfortunately, for disability purposes, you do not. They look at the 10 years prior to the date of your onset. Um, although, for again, for retirement disability, they look at your lifetime earnings, but not for disability. So we can get some unfair results. And, and a lot of times this happens, uh, and not always, but a lot of times it will be a woman who stopped working to raise her family. Uh, her husband's working. Uh, she has not worked for 10 or 15 years, and she becomes disabled, and she wants to get disability. Well, the problem is she's not insured for SSDI, and she doesn't have, uh, or her household income is too high for SSI. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But SSI has an earnings and asset component to it. Uh, it's only for people of very low low earnings and low assets. So as she would not qualify for SSI because of household earnings. She doesn't qualify for SSDI uh, because she doesn't have enough credits. She's not insured. So in this particular case, that woman would be out of luck. And, of course, it could be a man as well. But uh, it can lead to what some people consider to be very, very unfair results. So in any case, that is what you need to know generally about SSDI. We're going to take a break now. And when I come back, we'll talk about Title 16 SSI. Don't know where to begin? Get my free Secrets of Getting Approved Survival Kit. Inside the kit, I discuss such things as how do you know if you have a case? What to do if you're denied? How to avoid common mistakes? And my ever popular, how to avoid trick questions from the judge? Subscribing is free and easy. Just visit ssdanswers.com and look for the survival kit for instant access. Remember, time is eroding your position every day. Don't delay. Act now. That's ssdanswers.com for your free survival kit. Okay, this is Jonathan here, and I am back, and we're going to talk about Title 16 Supplemental Security Income, or SSI. And in contrast to SSDI, which is an insurance program, SSI is really more of a welfare program. You can have zero earnings at all. You could never have worked. Or you may have last worked 20 years ago, or you've worked part-time and you don't have enough insurance credits. If you meet Social Security's definition of disability, you may qualify for SSI. There is a catch. Again, in order to qualify for SSI, you have to have very little in terms of household earnings uh, and, and or assets. So you basically have to be poor or indigent. Um, if you have a, a spouse who works full-time, his or her income will be deemed to you. That word is deemed, D-E-E-M-E-D. -E -E That's the term Social Security uses. And that will offset fully or partially your SSI. Or if you have a couple thousand dollars, $2,000 of assets, that can reduce your SSI. 2000 or more of assets, that will reduce your SSI. You can own a house or a car. And one, one house and one car, but pretty much everything else is going to count against your SSI. 
the amount that you get from SSI, your monthly benefit, is set by statute, meaning that it is not a function of your earnings record since you may not have an earnings record. In 2018, it's $750. That's all you would get from SSI, uh, unless you are blind. Which there's some different rules for people who are blind. But for everybody else, $750. So even a small offset due to household earnings or assets can reduce your SSI to almost nothing. Um, and you can only qualify from S for SSI as of the date you applied. In SSDI, we can go back a year and allege your onset date up to a year before and get paid up to a year before. You can allege it for whatever you want, but you only get paid, you get paid up to a year before. SSI is only as of the date you apply. So it's a lot more restrictive program. And again, the most you get is $750. Uh, and again, it can be reduced by uh, offsets from household income or assets. And a lot of times where I see issues with SSI would be uh, children's cases. Uh, a child may have a, a severe disability, um, and the parents apply for SSI. The problem is mom or dad works, and those household earnings would reduce the child's SSI to nothing. Uh, yet the, the child is disabled. Now, there are some, there are a few cases where a child can still get SSI or actually can get the Medicaid that goes along with SSI. There is something, and this is beyond the scope of this podcast, called the Katie Beckett Waiver. You may have heard of that. And basically what that means is that even if the parent's income offsets the SSI, uh, the child would still qualify for Medicaid under this waiver program named after a person, a young lady named Katie Beckett, uh, who was disabled, but her parents earned too much money. So there is a waiver program for child SSI cases. Generally speaking, you have to have at least $1 of SSI to qualify for Medicaid. And in many cases, uh, folks are more interested in the Medicaid than they are in the SSI benefit. So SSI is a welfare program. The most you're going to get is $750. And any sort of assets or income uh, could be a problem. Uh, if you, let's say you're, you're a, uh, a 35-year-old male who's never worked, your parents pay for your apartment, uh, that room and board would be considered uh, contributions that would be an asset that could reduce your SSI. Now, there are some cases where we can have the parents and the, and the disabled child, adult child, write, write up something called an agreement to repay where the child agrees to repay whatever funds have been forwarded to him, and sometimes Social Security accepts that and sometimes they don't. But the big picture is if you're an SSI, if you're thinking about applying for SSI, you want to talk to an attorney about figuring out the best way to reduce any offsets so that you get your SSI benefit and you get your Medicaid. And that can be a whole uh, whole issue uh, regarding uh, the rules about, again, agreements to repay and, and, and proving to Social Security that this is you're not trying to, to play the system at all. So to summarize, um, we have SSDI and SSI. They're the two main disability programs. They both use the same definition of disability, meaning that you've got to be unable to engage in substantial gainful activity because of a medically determinable condition or conditions that has lasted or expected to last 12 consecutive months or result in death. In other words, you have to show that you don't have the capacity for work. Um, You qualify for SSDI if you've worked and paid into the system for approximately five out of the 10 years prior to the onset date of your disability. Um, Your spouse's income 
assets, passive income will not negatively impact your SSDI. So you can have stocks with dividends. That's not going to be a problem or rental income as long as you're not actively engaging in the uh, property management business. And the benefit amount for SSDI is going to be a function of what you've paid in. And usually I'm seeing SSDI payments in the $1,200 to $2,500 range, depending on your previous earnings. SSI, uh, to summarize, is a welfare program for low-income claimants who don't qualify for SSDI, same definition of disability. The most you can get is in, for 2018 is $750. For prior years, it's less, a little bit less. It'll go up next year in 2019. But your benefit, monthly benefit, is subject to offsets for household income or assets. So that is, a, in a nutshell, the difference between SSDI and SSI. Again, in my opinion, SSDI is the more robust, more de- desirable program, but if you don't qualify for SSDI, uh, then SSI would be an option. There are a few cases, and I'll make this my final point, where we have what they call concurrent cases, where somebody gets SSI and SSDI, and you don't get both of the both at the same time, but SSDI has something called a five-month waiting period. The first five full months of your disability are not Uh, You don't get paid for by SSDI, and if you qualify for SSI, uh, you can get SSI for up those five months, then your benefit turns to SSDI. Uh, What gets a little confusing about that is that in those concurrent cases, Social Security will send you a letter saying you qualify for SSDI, uh, your SSI, but you don't qualify for SSI. Then a few months later, they'll say, now you qualify for SSDI, but not for SSI. So imagine how confusing it is to get letters from Social Security saying, Today you you qualify, tomorrow you don't. Uh, it gets very, very confusing. But uh, the reason that might happen would be somebody has a concurrent case where for the five months of the waiting period, they qualify for SSI but not SSDI. So uh, I realize this can get a little confusing. This is one of the reasons why people have Social Security lawyers to help explain it to them. And I've got some materials I'm going to link to in the show notes here. But big picture, if you remember that SSDI is an insurance program, SSI is a welfare program, Um, that is a good place to start. Hope you found this episode useful. Please leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. And if you have any suggestions for future uh, podcast episodes, I'd love to hear them. So for now, this is Jonathan Ginsberg, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode of the SSDAnswers.com podcast. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit ssdanswers.com backslash podcast for show notes and links to all of my social security disability resources. And let me know what you're thinking. Your questions and suggestions are always welcome. Until next time, this is your host, Jonathan Ginsberg, reminding you to never give up and to keep fighting for the disability benefits you deserve.